development. It's all we envelop in telephone, a wealth of intelligence. Unless you're selfishly embellishing all of the championships, basking it in, let's study in the conferences. Pac 12 and Big, 12 and the 10, SEC, ACC, win, 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 win. All right, welcome in. This is Devi Owner's Manual, episode 3.9, the podcast which talks about college players and the Devi landscape, plus how to use your Devi team to build and translate to successful NFL fantasy football team. So, I am your host, Dwight. You can find me at Twitter, at FFPeoplesChamp, and I am flying solo tonight, which you guys know is not my favorite thing in the world, but I had a big guest lined up for you, and he kind of backed out last minute. Uh, he's not feeling very good. We've had some crazy, crazy weather last couple weeks, uh, up, down temperatures, and things like that. If you don't live in Florida or California, you kind of know what I'm talking about, especially here in the Midwest. Uh, temperatures up, temperatures down, all over the place. Unfortunately, it's just going to be me. I'm going to talk quickly, kind of make it a quick, tight show for you guys. Tons and tons of information. Uh, real quick, not, we'll dive into news. There's not a lot of news in college football other than the games that were played the big news obviously in football is the Dak Prescott injury as most of you know last night he uh, suffered an eight dislocated ankle and a compound fracture he's up said three to six months so basically the rest of this year and hopefully Dallas will do the right thing and pay the guy and bring him back and everything will be all good next year so uh, really terrible terrible news uh, gives a chance for the Red Rocket to step in and actually have a decent football team uh, I'd like to see what he does as a Bengals fan, kind of rooting for him there. So, all right, that was kind of the big news. So we'll dive into college football news. We'll do a quick recap of week six, the games that were there, uh, some guys that are balled out, and then we'll go a little bit deeper into a couple prospects for you guys. The big game that I was looking forward to, and I actually did get a chance to watch a little bit of, despite being on a romantic weekend with my wife, was the Clemson-Miami game, and Clemson just absolutely took Miami out to the woodshed, throttled them. ETN had 17 carries for 149 yards, two scores, eight catches, 73 yards. Trevor Lawrence did awesome, and they just shut down Derek King. And it just it was just a not a pretty game. I didn't think that Clemson was going to have any trouble with them, but I was hoping Miami would at least hang around, make a game of it. Um, it's just ugly. I mean, nobody did good. Brevin Jordan shut down. Cameron Harris shut down. Like, it just, Clemson just absolutely rolled all over them, so. Not not much of a game there. Uh, cut a couple of really fun games. Obviously, the Red River shootout every year is a fun one. Uh, went to quadruple overtime with Oklahoma prevailing 53-45. Um, not a lot of crazy stat lines in this game. Both teams were fairly underwhelming. A lot of mistakes. Um, Ellinger threw a couple picks, only 287 yards. Uh, Rattler even had a kind of a rough game benched at one point, although he did lead, end up leading him, coming back and leading him to the victory. T.J. Pledger for Oklahoma had 22 carries for 131 and two, so he's kind of kind of the big statistic name. But other than that, like it was just spread all over, tons of mistakes. Not the prettiest game, but close, fun game. When I mean, you go to quadruple overtime, what do you expect? That's what the Red River Shootout is all about. Another crazy scoring, high scoring game. Alabama outlasted Old Miss 63 to 48. Holy smokes, was this a fun one? This is one that I actually did get to watch quite a bit of since the Clemson game was going so bad. I shifted over and got to watch this one. And just just a fun, fun game. I mean, it was a lot closer than the final score showed. It was down, it was 42-42, like partway through the fourth. Ole Miss had to kick a couple field goals. And you just can't kick field goals when you're playing Alabama, especially when you guys are scoring 100 points between each other. Najee Harris, humongous game. 23 carries, 206 yards, five touchdowns on the ground. 
Matt Corral looked amazing. Like 21, 28, 365, and 2. You guys know I'm a huge fan of Matt Corral, and I love what he's doing there in Ole Miss. Uh, his main target has been Kenny Yeboa, a fifth-year tight end. Played his first four seasons at Temple. He's had some pretty good numbers this year. He ended up seven catches, 181 yards, and two scores in this game. And he's at 15, 355, and 4 on the year. So not really a pro prospect that I'm looking for. But he's you know, he's just a good college player. He's getting open. I mean, most of his like his damage is being done on crazy wide open plays that they're just scheming him open. So it's it's just fun to watch. Old Miss is just going to be fun to watch this year. I think that offense is going to be what we were hoping Mississippi State was going to be. So I, after talking about those two games, I kind of wanted to dive into this. I've seen a lot of talk about it on Twitter. Etn Travis Etn or Najee Harris. Who's your running back one, running back two? I was going to talk about this with Mike. I was going to have Matt Hicks on this week, so I was going to talk a lot about with him with this. I have ETN at number one. He's my RB1. He's been there for a very long time for me in this class. He's just a guy that I really, really love a lot. He would have been my RB1 last year. I mean, I I think he's he's that talented. He's that special of a Najee Harris, though, I mean, you cannot, you cannot fault them either. Like, he is an absolutely amazing back as well. So both both guys offer different different skill sets. ETN's got that obviously the home run threat, probably a little more offense dependent. Um, I think Najee Harris is going to be successful on whatever team he ends up on. He does everything well. He catches the ball. He runs with power. He blocks. He does. You know, he's just a um got a nasty temperament when he runs. A little bit older, obviously. I think he's gonna be 24 when he enters the league next year. So that's people like to use that as a detriment. But I mean, you're only gonna get four or five good seasons out of them regardless anyways, most likely. So the age isn't a huge issue for me. So I think it depends if you put these guys in a vacuum. For me, it's ETN because I like the home run hitting speed. The contact balance that he has is is unreal. And I mean, just the things he does with the ball in his hands is just, it's a different league and it's people want that. I mean, he's just a just electric, electric, where Najee will probably be a little bit safer. Um, but I think he, I'm not going to get mad at anybody who has any of these, either of these guys, you know, flip flop. So for me, it's ETN. But yeah, either guy. Woo, fun. So we'll get to some uh, different, another game that was a crazy shootout. Florida fell to Texas A&M, which makes me incredibly sad because I wanted Florida to win and keep winning and set up some pretty cool matchups down the road. So they fall to Texas A&M. Kyle Trask had a pretty good game, 23 of 32, 312 and 4. Kadarius Toney, 792, seven catches for 92 yards, two scores. One of my favorite players on that team there. Um, Texas A&M just, just kept hanging with them and just took advantage of a couple mistakes. And Kellen Mond had the game of his career with 25 of 35, 333 and eight, or eight, eight touchdowns. Yes, eight touchdowns, three touchdowns. Isaiah Spiller was like just beasting all over poor Florida. I mean, Florida's having some trouble tackling anyways. They've allowed 100 points in their first three games. And they're just getting, the defense is going to be a liability, which is kind of crazy because they actually have a couple good players that I like quite a bit on the defensive side of the ball. But Isaiah Spiller had a hell of a game. 27 carries, 174 yards, two scores. You can find my cut up on the Debbie Manual YouTube channel of that game. And he just took them out, man. He just carried that back, carried that team on his back. It was hard for Florida really to, I mean, they kept keeping, you know, it was back and forth the whole game, and but A&M eventually prevailed. Drops Florida 10th in the ranking. Georgia, Tennessee, we all thought that might be a better game, and actually Tennessee was leading at halftime, and then Georgia just, that defense just absolutely stifled, stifled Tennessee. 
held Eric Gray in check. You know, just it was looked like it had all the rumblings of a good game, and then it just kind of poof, like the second half was just done. Uh, Stetson Bennett, another good game. Uh, Kendall Milton had a, a couple good carries in that game. Zamir White, 22 carries, 50 yards. So Tennessee was definitely doing all they could to hang on to Georgia, too. So a game that I was hoping Tennessee would keep closer, and yeah, just didn't get that way. Um, Notre Dame rolled over Florida State behind 19 carries for 185 yards, two scores from Kyron Williams. It's nice to see there. North Carolina and another had a shootout against Virginia Tech. Sam Howell threw for 257 yards, three touchdowns, and they had 399 yards rushing from Michael Carter and Javante Williams primarily. So both of those guys are names to watch. I noticed that uh, Debbie Deep Dive, Brandon Lejeune today, had posted a cut-up of Javante Williams. Make sure you check that out. Michael Carter is looking like he might be a, you know, a name that could get into the probably day late day two, early day three running back conversation in this year's draft. So just always been a producer there. So there's a name to kind of, a couple names to kind of watch out there. And lastly, Missouri knocked down LSU. Apparently everybody's going to be knocking out LSU this year. Missouri got... A hell of a performance from freshman quarterback Connor Bazalek, 29 of 34, 406 yards, four touchdowns from a freshman against this vaunted LSU team. Vaunted, I say. Who? Vaunted? No. No, 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 no. Not vaunted this year. All right. LSU did get a performance from Terrace Marshall, 11 catches, 235 yards, three scores. Do not forget about Terrace Marshall in this crazy talented class that's coming up here in your 2021 NFL Draft. That's kind of a quick drop, quick shoot through some of the games I wanted to talk about. I'll go a little bit deeper into a couple guys that we were going to highlight tonight. Matt was Matt, Matt gave me three names that he wanted to highlight, and I have three names I want to highlight. So real quick, I'm going to buzz through those. Matt's first guy was Jerrion Ely, which is a name that you, you've got to... I mean, most people, he's rostered everywhere, I'm sure. But if you can get him... Your window is his. He's just going to become more and more expensive. Five-star guy who's the number three running back in the 2019 class. Uh, his feet really pop. Like for me, is his footwork is insane. Like he's very sudden in and out of cuts, lateral movement. It's just elite. Like when he's in the open field, he. I mean, the defender almost has no shot against him. And then he can also get powerful and he can catch the ball. So like, Ely is just a guy whose name is just. Whew, Like, he's the only one in that 2022 eligible running backs that I think can push Brees Hall for the number one. Like, I love Brees Hall. Love, 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 love Brees Hall. But Jerry and Ely does some things just absolutely amazing. Yeah, just the sky's the limit. I'm kind of flabbergasting myself talking about him. So another guy who we talked about briefly in the breakdown was Isaiah Spiller. He's my first guy that I want to talk about this week. Four-star 2019 guy. Um, he's just a north and south runner. He runs through contact. I mean, he's not just a north and south. He's best north and south. He runs right through contact. Great speed. He's got good speed in the open field. Not great. Laterally, he's a little bit tight. Like his movements aren't like you know as smooth and his movements aren't as crisp and sudden as as some of these other backs. Like Ely, Ely's got like sudden sharp movements, and whereas Spiller takes a little bit more time to like you know get through a hole and and like cut around. But he doesn't usually do that anyways. He runs to his strengths. When they do run him out wide, he tends to get upfield really quickly. Like he'll start to drift toward the side and then he'll shoot upfield, you know, when he gets his first spot. His vision is is really, really good. I really like watching Spiller play. He's kind of a riser in that class too. Another name that you can probably get. Uh, Matt wanted me to talk wanted to talk about Kyle Trask, which and he had in parentheses, proceed with caution. 
which I think is a, probably a good thing to do. I mean, we're all quick to anoint Trask as the quarterback four in this class, which in the 2021 eligible class, and I think he probably is. But we're also we've got to be quick not to invest too much in him. There's still some things that you know we don't love a lot about him. He does move well in the pocket. He goes through his progressions. He's accurate to the intermediate range, you know, up to about 20, 25 yards consistently. But beyond that, he doesn't he doesn't have a very good deep ball, but he doesn't really push it too much. So that's what I like. He kind of plays to his strengths, and he knows what he can do. Um, he doesn't take a lot of crazy chances deep, you know, just chucking it up, yolo in it, down to, you know, Kyle Pitts or anything like that. So he looks a lot more consistent this year. He's He's taking very good care of the ball. Um, he's got a pretty good cast around him. I mean, obviously, he's got Kyle Pitts, tight end one, and I love Kadarius Tony. But other than that, you know, his wide receivers are not the greatest. So Kyle Trask is doing a lot with what he has, and I really like what I see from him. And I do think he's the quarterback four, but I would also agree, maybe proceeding with a little bit of caution, not paying too much for him, you know. If you can't get one of those top three guys, don't just be like, all right, well, I'll just pay the same price for Kyle Trask. Well, maybe you shouldn't, you know. Just be a little bit careful, you know. He's not perfect he is that pocket statuesque quarterback that doesn't seem to be the NFL seems to be moving away from more so my second guy that I wanted to talk about was Tank Bigsby and you just I love 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 watching this kid play he's a four-star running back he was the number four running back in the 2020 class obviously with a name like Tank he can bump you know the kid can hit he's got some power but I love there's a lot more to his game than that. He's got a lot his vision is is really exemplary. I love how he finds the holes. He doesn't have crazy athleticism, but he makes like subtle little shifts that avoid direct hits and then he bounces off contact. So I think it makes him really effective. Like he doesn't just hit hard, but he can also like do these little quick movements that allow him to, you know, take contact better and then also translate it into a long run. He's a smooth pass catcher and he's already seeing we're already seeing it this season and I love that from a freshman. So Tank is a guy I really like quite a bit as well. And Matt's third guy that he was gonna he wanted to bring up was Jameer Gibbs. We've talked about him some on this show obviously. He's a another freshman running back, four star, number eight in the class. He's so explosive. He's got he's he's elusive. He's showing good skills catching the ball as well. He has the clearest path, I think, to three years of production the next three years, you know, other than maybe Zach Evans. Probably the most impressive thing that I see when I watch him is how he shifts gears as he runs. You know, he accelerates and decelerates very quickly and cleanly. And it allows him to create, you know, angles and better running paths and sets up his blocks and things like that too so then he cuts without losing speed as well so he's he's just really smooth like he did he doesn't look like he's trying very hard to do what he's doing so he's a guy that's kind of a riser in this freshman class all right last name this is kind of a deeper name um if you're stat chasing um you've probably noticed his name khalil herbert from virginia tech my buddy mandrew who is uh, mandrew nfl draft on twitter asked me we were talking the other day about stuff, and he asked me if this kid's for real. And I'm like, yeah, maybe he is, you know, because I had seen the stats, and I knew his name and knew what he did, you know. And Virginia Tech's got this crazy offense where they quarterbacks run like nuts. And so I decided to d- dive into what I've, what, I've, what I've seen so far. And he had four years at Cam- Kansas where he didn't do a whole lot. So he's in his fifth season. He's in Virginia Tech. And he's doing having a hell of a season. 44 carries for 450 yards, five touchdowns for over 10 yards a carry. And then he's also averaging 35 yards a kick return as well on seven returns. Uh, he's five foot nine, 210, solid build, 
vision, his movement sticks out. Like he's just, his vision is really, really good. Now, like I said, they run that crazy offense. So it's kind of hard to gauge, you know, what he would do in like an actual like NFL formations and things like that. But this offense also runs like 80% of the time. So like these defenses are focusing on the run. You know, they've got eight guys in the box, you know, the safeties are up. There's like almost no respect for the run or pass at all. So he's he's definitely, you know, they don't know where it's coming from, but they know they're running. <laughs> so, and I like what he's doing. He's He's got really good balance. He can take a hit. His vision is what, like I mentioned before, it just really sticks out. Uh, he sees the holes well. He slides in and out of little tiny creases really well. He's not afraid to block, not afraid to hit people. Nothing, nothing stood out as elite, but there are several things that you really like about him, like particularly his vision. I'm just going to, I did a cut up of him today. Let me know what you guys think if you watch it. I really like him. He's not going to be like, a, he'll probably be a day three guy, late day, late, maybe mid to late day three, unless he keeps putting up these crazy numbers and somebody falls in love with him like I have by watching his tape. But, you know, he's not an elite back, but he does a lot of things really well and he could really take a rise this season if he continues to play like he does. I was just very consistent and the vision is just, yeah, it's there. So just kind of a, a little bit of a deeper name. We're going to go through now the uh, week six. I may have said week six. I mean, I think I mean week seven. Week seven. Week seven games to watch. There's three big games that I'm really looking forward to this weekend. Obviously, the one that I could talk for 25 minutes about is number three, Georgia, going to number two, Alabama. And that should be just a hell of a barn burner, man. Both of these teams have a, um, I feel like they have something to prove. Alabama's obviously, you know, every year is in and out, or is here, and every year they, you know, are able to fend off Georgia. But Georgia's got a really good team this year. Their defense is playing extremely, extremely well, but they've never have not had to play anybody like Alabama. Alabama's got, you know, three NFL caliber wide receivers. Mac Jones is playing well. Najee Harris. Georgia's got, you know, some talent on their side of the ball with Kendall Milton, Zamir White, you know, Stetson Bennett's playing really well. George Pickens, obviously. So this is going to be a fun, fun game to watch. I think it's going to be closer than we thought, than some of the recent years have been. Alabama's defense is going to be a huge, huge wild card in this game because they just got absolutely destroyed by Old Miss. And their defense is not playing very well this year. So it'll be a key to this game if Georgia's offense can get rolling. You know, can Alabama's offense keep up against that nasty Georgia defense? So this is going to be a fun one. This game's lost a little bit of its luster with LSU being undefeated, is being out of the rankings now. But LSU at number 10, Florida. Florida's got to bounce back. They have to bounce back in this game. LSU's going to score a shitload of points. Florida should be able to do just the same against that LSU's offense that just got carved up by Missouri of all teams. So this could be like a like the Alabama Ole Miss game, like 62-48. Like this could be a game where it's a score, 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 score. And this is not the not your mama's SEC, I tell you that, man. This SEC these days is just entirely different. Crazy, crazy scoring. So this could be a fun game to watch. Could be a game that goes crazy into overtime. I really hope Florida can pull it out. Um, but LSU is probably going to come in this game pretty fired up. They're, like Their season is pretty much lost at this point, And they've got nothing to play for other than pride at this point. So let's, you know, they're going to give every team they can their biggest game. They have a lot of NFL talent on both sides of the ball. So this should be a fun one. And the last one. Looking a couple weeks ago into the schedule, I thought this one could be a fun one. And I still have it as a potential upset. Louisville travels to number five, Notre Dame. Louisville has been not playing well. Their defense is atrocious. But they have some really fun pieces on offense that we've talked about in the past couple weeks. Michael Cunningham, JV on Hawkins, Tutu Atwell. They can score. And if Notre Dame 
offense is playing like like they are capable, it won't be a good game. But and I do not have a lot of faith in Notre Dame's offense other than Kyron Williams. Like, I am not an Ian Book fan. I think their tight ends are pretty good. But I'm not a big fan of Notre Dame. And this has the potential to be an upset because Louisville is going to come in there with basically nothing to play for. You know, they, they've got, you know, just their pride as well because they've lost a couple games in a row. And they're going to be feisty. And they could potentially give Notre Dame a very good game. Hopefully. <laughs> I'm hoping. Cross your fingers on this one, guys. But I got that as my potential upset of the week. and could be a fun game to watch. So definitely a big contrast in styles. We'll do the NFL rookie report real quick. Joe Burrow looked human, but of course he was playing against Baltimore. And if you were starting him, you shame on you because he should not have been in your lineup. So Burrow had a rough game. Uh, we're at the halftime right now when I'm recording this of the San Diego game. And Justin Herbert has looked phenomenal. 9 of 13, 109 yards, 3 touchdowns in the air versus the Saints. So Justin Herbert has looked like the better NFL quarterback thus far. I saw some Twitter polls saying, you know, who would you rather have, Burrow or Herbert? And I think it's silly that Herbert's actually winning because I think Burrow is a much better quarterback, but Herbert is in a much, much, much better situation. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and Jonathan Taylor are not doing what you'd hoped, but they are not probably killing you. But I think everybody kind of has hoped that they would be bigger than this and, and better than this and putting up better numbers than they have. But so they've been, you know... Fairly pedestrian thus far, but they are rookies and they do have time to grow. I think Kansas City needs to probably focus on getting Clyde Edwards more involved. I think they are more they are a better team, a more dangerous team when they have a running attack that is actually working. Like yesterday, it seemed like the Raiders were able to just sit back and wait for the pass, which kind of made them, you know, which is they are very very dangerous that way as well. But it did seem like it definitely doesn't help their offense if they can't focus, have a successful running game. Even our rookie season darling, James Robinson, had kind of a quieter game, but Jacksonville was also down all game, so the game script didn't really feature or give him much chance to run. So Cam Akers had a fairly impressive game. He had a 46-yard run that looked absolutely awesome, so it was good to see that. Uh, C.D. Lamb is is establishing himself as the wide receiver one in Dallas, although who knows what's going to happen with Dalton there. Uh, C.D. had eight catches for 124 yards. Uh, Henry Ruggs had uh, two catches for 118 yards and a touchdown and one, a 72-yarder. So it's good to see Ruggs get involved, and he can make that offense so much more dangerous. And the last one, if you started, if you happen to start Mapletron there, Chase Claypool, you probably won your fantasy week. So he had seven catches, 110 yards, three touchdowns, and also a rushing touchdown. So that's a hell of a good game. And he looked just amazing. And he's what he could do in that Pittsburgh offense if they decide to really, really get him more involved, because he wasn't even in on, I think he was only in on 35, 40% of the snaps. So if they decide to get him more involved, he makes that offense just crazy dangerous and a lot of fun to watch. Keep him on your radar, although a lot of people are calling to sell him. I do think it might be a good point to sell him, but maybe, maybe not. I don't know. He's he's definitely a talented wide receiver. Lastly, LaVisca Chenault, seven catches for 79 yards. Good to see him get him more involved. And that will also greatly, greatly help Jacksonville as well if they can get him involved more. Last thing I wanted to bring up is the rise of Mr. DK Metcalf, a guy who I admittedly wasn't the highest on. Um, I do think he, you know, I thought he was crazy talented and the metrics and everything, but even I wasn't as high as what this guy's doing. Matt Price had him at number one in the DLF rankings for wide receiver dynasties, and I think people are starting to get on board with that. 
He is just in a tremendously good situation there in Seattle. He has 22 catches, 496 yards, which is second in the NFL. Five touchdowns, and his 22.5 yards per catch is first in the NFL. So, DK Metcalf, man. Here's to you, baby. You've far exceeded what I did, what I thought, and he has a tremendous rapport with Russell Wilson and... Just love to watch, man. Good, Hell of a good guy to root for, too. So, All right, ladies and gentlemen, that will do it for this show, this episode of the Debbie Manual. Real quick, uh, kind of a service announcement. I haven't really said much about it. My co-host, Pete, has decided to go off and focus on more on family and job. He got a new job, and he will not be with the show anymore, and we will greatly, greatly miss him. I really enjoyed my time talking with Pete, and he's a really good guy, and he's up up there in the Pacific Northwest uh, doing police things and just he's he's a great guy and a great co-host I, I will miss him greatly so for now it's just gonna be me and hopefully a guest I really don't like talking for 20 minutes by myself it's definitely not a forte of mine so it, it's been fun and I really wanted to get some information out this week so all right guys you can find me on Twitter at FF People's Champ working a Debbie Roundup each week at DLF that's what I'm doing right now Working on my rankings and tons and tons of prospect cut-ups over at the Debbie Manual YouTube channel. You can find this podcast on Twitter at Debbie Manual. And we will talk to you guys next week. Another special guest. This one had better be here. I'm going to cry like a baby. Cry, cry, cry. All right, guys. Take care. Talk to you next week. Don't forget about the Mountain West, the Mac that can flex. Somebody's next, Ivy League fresh, literally though. Thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of players to test. G- I'm serious, they will talk about the most obscure players on this planet. Potentially another planet. Like, dude's got a 4340 from Mars, like, I don't know. It's too much, I'm done. I'm gone this time. Like, don't bring it back in.